This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Herschel was one of the wealthiest Jews that lived in his area. And even though he was so wealthy, he remained a very simple and modest person. He didn't wear fancy clothes, he didn't have fancy parties, and he remained very down-to-earth. And it was known that Herschel was the manager of the nobleman who owned all of the real estate in the entire region in which he lived. And everyone referred to him as Herschel, the manager, because he managed all of the real estate of the nobleman. And of course, nobody likes to have to pay rent or taxes. And so because part of his responsibility was collecting the rent and taxes, the Jewish community didn't like Herschel so much. But because he was such a kind and warm person, he was very popular in the Jewish community. And one of the reasons was because of his very unique background. You see, Herschel used to be a simple wagon driver. He never had much money, could barely make ends meet. And one day... After a bris, where Herschel was asked to be the sandak to hold the baby during the circumcision, the father of the child asked Herschel to please stand up and tell everyone how did he become so wealthy? How did he go from rags to riches? And Herschel was a little nervous, kind of moved around in his chair. And he said, no, nobody wants to hear my story. But everyone in the crowd said, yes, yes, we want to hear your story, Herschel, please. We want to know, how did you end up with such good fortune? They poured Herschel a big l'chaim took a little sip, got up in front of the crowd and told them his story. He said, once when I was a wagon driver, there was a terrible storm. Rain was coming down all over the place. It was so hard, I could barely see in front of me. Lightning was striking left and right. And the winds were going to knock over my horses and myself. Everyone was smart and they were staying at home. They'd locked their doors and closed their windows. But I had already obligated myself to a powerful nobleman to deliver a wagon of goods to a faraway place. And I knew that if I delayed another day, it could be that the nobleman would be more dangerous to me than the weather. And so feeling that I didn't have any choice, I decided to go forward in the storm. At first I drove slowly, but it wasn't just the rain. All of the roads had turned to mud. And it's lucky for me that the wagon didn't sink or an axle or a wheel broke. But I just kept going slowly for a few hours. And then I see in front of me on the side of the road is clearly a Jewish man with a big beard. And he was completely soaked from head to toe. And his clothes were so dirty with mud, it was as if he was made of mud. So I slowed down and pulled over. And I said, Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friend. What are you doing out here in the rain? And as I got closer to the man, I was shocked to see that it was the Sasov Rebbe, Reb Moshe Leib of Sasov. I said to him, Rebbe, quick, get on the wagon. The Rebbe climbed on. And I tried to get the water and mud off of his clothes. The Rebbe was just staring at me, as if I was an angel that came out of heaven. And I was staring at him, trying to understand, what is the Rebbe doing standing in the middle of a storm on the side of the road? What's he doing here? 
And so the Rebbe told me that he had made a promise to himself to go and visit his parents in the town of Brod, where they lived. And every now and then, like this time, when it came time to visit, he realized that he didn't have any money. And so he had no choice. He couldn't hire a wagon. He didn't have a horse. So he had to walk from Sasov to Brot. In the morning when he left, the weather seemed fine. But then a little storm started. And then it was getting worse and worse. But he had already gone more than halfway of the distance. And he figured, I'm doing a mitzvah. And once I've started, I'm not going to stop. So the Rebbe said to me, what are you doing here? Why are you driving in the middle of a storm? And I told him I had taken a job from this nobleman, and I realized that the nobleman might kill me if I don't do the job. So I figured the nobleman might be worse than the storm, and I started driving in the storm, despite the weather. So the Rebbe says to him, how much money are you going to make from this job? And when I told him, the Rebbe said, I'll pay you even more. Just please take me first to Brod. Even though, of course, the Rebbe didn't have any money at the time. But Herschel had already decided that he was taking the Rebbe to Brat for free. Of course, he wasn't going to charge him. And he already pulled the horses in the direction towards Brod. And the truth is, the journey was very difficult. And there were many times when Herschel thought that he wasn't going to make it. But finally, with Hashem's help, they arrived a few days later. And then the weather improved, and Herschel went and made his delivery. And then he came back to Brat, picked up the Rebbe, and brought him back to Sasov. When they arrived, the Rebbe said, Please, I want to pay you like I had promised you. But Herschel didn't have any intention of taking money from a Rebbe, especially when he's standing on the side of the road in a storm like that, on his way to do such a great mitzvah as honoring your parents. But of course, Herschel knew that the Rebbe was going to insist that he pays. And Herschel waited, refusing to accept the pay, until finally the Rebbe said, So fine, you won't take money. What can I give you? And Herschel then got what he wanted. And he said, Rebbe, all I want is a bracha from you. All I want is a blessing from the Rebbe. And so the Rebbe thinks for a few minutes, and then he says, what do you own? And Herschel didn't understand the question. He said, Rebbe, what do you mean? He said, what possessions do you have? What do you own? And so I said to the Rebbe, I have these two horses. And then the Rebbe closes his eyes and meditates for a minute. And he opens his eyes and he says, well, you have two horses. He said, yes, Rebbe, I told you I have two horses. He said, wonderful. One horse for Purim and the other for Pesach. So Herschel says, Rebbe, is that a bracha? And the Rebbe says, indeed, indeed, it is definitely a bracha. But Rebbe, I don't understand. One for Purim and one for Pesach, what are you talking about? And the Rebbe said, ah, you will see, my friend, you will see. And so Herschel left the Rebbe. And a few weeks passed and it was getting close to Purim. And a couple of days before the holiday started, one of the horses became ill and it died. And Herschel was very upset. Now, he could still sell the carcass of the horse and get some money from it. And it was enough money to pay for Purim. But it wasn't a blessing because now one of his two horses was dead. And how was he supposed to make a living with only one horse? And three weeks later, the week before Pesach, the second horse got sick and died. And Herschel is besides himself. Both of his horses died. He didn't have any money. He didn't have a way to make a living. He sold the body of the dead horse, and he made just enough money to pay for Pesach. But once the holiday of Passover was over, he had no way of making a living. And he's sitting there after Pesach saying to his wife, the Rebbe said one horse for Purim and one for Pesach. Well, apparently he meant one's going to die before Purim so we can pay for Purim, and one's going to die before Pesach 
so we can have the money to pay for Pesach. But then what? So Herschel's wife says, go to the Rebbe and ask him. And so I come to the Rebbe. I say, Rebbe, you're a true prophet. Everything worked out the way that you said. One horse died before Purim, and the other died before Pesach. But Rebbe, I came to you for a bracha. I came for a blessing, not a curse. Now that my horses are dead, how am I supposed to make a living? And the Rebbe looked at me with a big smile, and I could see his eyes were sparkling. And he said, yes, it is a bracha. One for Purim and one for Pesach. But Rebbe, how is this possibly a blessing when everything has been taken away from me? And the Rebbe said, everything has been taken away from you? And Herschel said, yeah, you took my two horses away from me. The Rebbe said, no, Herschel, you don't understand. Everything has been given to you. Herschel said, Rebbe, I'm sorry, I don't understand. The Rebbe said, Herschel, you have been given the gift of Amuna. You've been given the gift of total trust in Hashem. And now it's up to Hashem to fulfill the bracha, the blessing. And Herschel said, I have to admit that I didn't understand how there was a blessing in this. And so I said to the Rebbe, please, I don't want to leave here without understanding what's going on. And the Rebbe said, Herschel, I'm so envious of you. I never had a test like this. Herschel said, a test like what? He said, a test of total faith, like yours. Now go, Herschel, and come back here when the blessing has come true. And so Herschel left the Rebbe, not having any money, not having a horse. And he's walking from town to town on his way back home. And he passes by an inn, goes to spend the night. And he hears two Jews are talking with one another. They're talking about a nobleman, a very wealthy nobleman, that owns a lot of property. And that he can't find anyone to manage his property. Everyone he hires disappoints him. And these two Jews were once his managers. But they couldn't get along with the nobleman. So Herschel says to them, who is this nobleman and where does he live? And they said to him, why, you have experience in managing property? He said, no, but I have a bracha from the Rebbe. These two Jews thought it was very funny. But they figured, okay, let's Herschel here. He's not so smart. So we'll take him to the nobleman and let the nobleman chop him up into mincemeat. And so the two Jews brought him to the count, to the nobleman. And he says to Herschel, tell me, Herschel, you have experience managing property? And Herschel said, no. But I have a bracha from the Rebbe. And the nobleman said, you know what? If you buy one of my properties, you can lease it out and make some money. And I'll see if you do a good job. Maybe I'll hire you to manage some other property. And Herschel says to the nobleman, but I don't have any money to rent your property. And the nobleman is thinking to himself, you know, this Herschel seems like a nice guy. And I can't seem to find anyone to manage my property. So he says to him, you know what, Herschel? I'm going to lend you the money for the first year. And let's see how you do managing my property. And if things work out, I'll give you more property to manage. And you'll pay me back eventually. And it turned out that Herschel and the nobleman got along very well. And he was able to make a nice living managing the property. And the nobleman gave him more and more property to manage. Until eventually, Herschel became a wealthy man. And he went back to the Rebbe. And he said, Rebbe, I'm not sure if this was your intention. But I became the manager of a huge amount of property for the nobleman where I live. And the Rebbe says, yes, that's the blessing. One for Purim and one for Pesach. It was decreed in heaven that you would no longer be a wagon driver. That it was time for you to become rich. And all that was needed was to take you out of where you were so stuck. And allow you to have faith in Hashem. So that you could be given what was always meant to be yours. And so Herschel turned to everyone at the Brit Milah, where he was speaking. And he said, so you see, my sweetest friends, it's true that I have a lot of money. 
But the reason that I don't have a big ego is because I know that it's only a result of the Rebbe's bracha. It's only a result of it being decreed in heaven that I no longer be a wagon driver and that I be a wealthy Jew. But I know that any money that I have isn't from the work of my own hands. It's from the blessings that came from the Rebbe and from Hashem himself. I have one more short story for you. The daughter of the Vision Rebbe, Rebbe Nachem Mendel, had just gotten married and was living with her young husband in the home of his father, Rebbe Yeshua of Bells. And in the first few days of the marriage, the visitor's daughter, Sarah, became very ill. And of course, both of the fathers, everyone in the family was davening for her. And every day, the Vision Rebbe would get an update through a telegram or a letter saying how his daughter was doing. But one day, neither a letter nor a telegram arrived. But his son, Reb Baruch, told his father, I'm sure you have nothing to worry about. They probably sent a letter and it's just been delayed. And sure enough, that afternoon, a telegram arrived from Bells, saying that Sarah, the daughter, had recovered. And when Reb Baruch saw that his father, the Vizn Sherebi, had been so stressed when he didn't get the letter, and now that he knew that his daughter was fine, his spirits had returned to him, and he was able to be joyous again. But Baruch asked his father, Father, how can it be that a great tzaddik and a rebbe like you should be so shocked by not getting any news about how your daughter is doing just for a few hours, that you wouldn't be able to be joyous all the time? I would think that somebody who's worked on themselves as much as you, Father, would be able to maintain their emotional balance, whether things were good or not. And Rebbe Nachem says to his son, I've been working on myself my whole life, level by level, trait after trait, trying to grow in my connection to Hashem and my fellow Jews. But the one mitzvah that I have found harder than anything else is to love my neighbor like I love myself. At one point, I thought I had actually reached that level and that I couldn't make any difference between things that bothered me and affected another Jew in this world. But this morning, when I didn't receive a letter about your sister Sarah, I became very emotional. I thought, God forbid, the worst might have happened. I thought maybe they weren't sending me a letter because, God forbid, who knows what. And now I realize, my son, how many notes have people sent to me? How many people reach out to me every day, every hour, telling me about their problems and their tragedies? And do I feel for them the way that I felt for my own daughter? It just shows me that no matter how hard I've worked on myself, I have such a long way to go. Because when I didn't get the news about my daughter, I was truly distressed. But when a Jew gives me a letter and says that his daughter is sick, I don't feel the same distress. And so may Hashem bless me that when a Jew sends me a letter or comes to me asking for a bracha, 
I'd be able to feel their pain like my own pain and their love like my own. And so you see, my sweetest friends, no matter how high a spiritual level you reach, there's always further to go. Even the great Rebbies can always go higher. And if they can, then all the more so for us simple folk. So may we take strength in these stories, remembering that Hashem is running the world, and our job is to have faith in Hashem, hopefully with joy, with simcha. And when our fellow Jew is in pain, we feel their pain like them. And when our fellow Jews are joyous, we feel their joy as if it's our own. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends, as always, every week, to all the old listeners and all the new listeners, all the children, all the adults, and everybody who listens all around the world. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank one of the new supporters of the podcast, Reb Michal and his family in Pomona, New York, and he and his wife's children, Cyril, Yaakov, Gabriel, and Ellie. Thank you so much for becoming supporters of this podcast. I went and bought matzah today. Did a lot of the shopping for Pesach today. It's still a dar. So I thought, what an appropriate story. One for Purim and one for Pesach. May Hashem bless everyone to always be in Purim. And at the same time, your preparations for Pesach should go smoothly, easily, and with joy. So thank you again for listening, my sweetest friends. Until next week, Zai Gesund.